G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. The story. I have to go into hospital to have my tummy drained. And once they scan my tummy and they can see that the fluid's built up to a certain point, then I go into the palliative care and then they stick a drain into my tummy. And I'm usually in there for about three nights and a few days where they gently take it out. And then I'm sitting in a room with two other people in different stages of palliative care. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Today is part two of our series paying tribute to the late Ian Watson, better known as simply Watto. Ian started his own truck driving school in Brisbane in 1989 and he began a men's ministry in 2002, right about the same time he was diagnosed with cancer. Sadly, Ian passed away in December of 2019 after a long battle with prostate cancer. In October of that year, Watto received the bad news from his doctor that his cancer had taken a turn for the worse. It was at this time that Eric Scadabo had his final interview with Watto, who reflected back on his life. Ian Watto Watson, welcome to the program. Thanks, Eric. Great to be talking with you again. Love your accent. Don't ever change it. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I'm, I'm so sad to hear about your recent news. Can you kind of give us an update on your situation health-wise? Yeah, Eric. Um, 17 years, the day I found out I had the prostate cancer, I've had every conceivable treatment over the 17 years, but three and a half years ago was chemo, 20 lots of chemo, a very expensive German treatment, and then at the end of all that treatment, when my doctor, a beautiful young man, um, just like one of my sons, had to tell me that um, it didn't work and that he had to refer me to palliative care. Now, I'm going to be 74, and to most people in Australia my age, when you hear the word palliative care, you instantly think, oh, gee, he's dead. Mm. Or he's got tubes sticking out of his head and he hasn't got long to go. Yeah. It's a very, very sobering place because I haven't got a doctor to help me overcome. And I don't use the word cancer much. I call them rogue cells because in my body, it, my body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And those cells in there, they don't belong in there. God, God didn't. He doesn't have those cancer cells in my body, so I just say they're rogue cells. And God is my doctor Mm -hmm. right here and now, as simple as that. And God gives me life today to be here talking with you. And you go through all these different emotions and stages. Yeah. Uh, So palliative care, uh, that's the place, and that means I've been referred to. I live over on the Peninsula Redcliffe, so I've been referred to the palliative care at Redcliffe Hospital, and there's a beautiful young team of doctors there that just care to make me as well as I can to the, from here to the day when I go to heaven. And uh, I have to go into hospital to have my tummy drained. Um, so, uh, I'm into the fourth week now. 
So it could be next week or the next week where I actually go in and have a scan of my tummy and then the the fluid buildup in my tummy can be as much as eight or nine litres. And wow. if you convert that to weight, that means I probably walk around looking like I'm going to have triplets. Huh. And so my breathing is harder and all those things because my, my tummy gets to a point. And once they scan my tummy and they can see that the fluid's built up to a certain point, then I go into the palliative care and then they stick a drain into my tummy and I'm in, usually in there for about three nights and a few days where they gently take it out and then I'm sitting in a room with two other people in different stages of palliative care and we can talk about that too, Eric. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. That's where I'm at now. Yeah, thanks for that update. And as you mentioned, when you think of palliative care, you're thinking somebody lying in a bed, but you're up and around. You're obviously here today. You still do your men's shed ministry. You're still kicking goals. Yeah, and, you know, there's been some people who have had to come over to my home and actually look at me and touch me and feel me that I am still alive because they, when they hear the word palliative care, they, they don't realise at what stage. Now, I've got a very, very close mate who, in this last week, he's, he's been referred to palliative care too. Mm-hmm. His trouble is in his brain and in his chest and in his bowel. And it's pretty sad because he can't drive a car anymore. I can still drive. There's nothing wrong with my head, my heart, my spirit, my soul. So I'm still, f- I'm, I'm just highly fatigued. I don't mm-hmm. feel like I've got legs. If I have to walk 100 metres, I'd have to have three stops. And um, the bottoms of my feet, the nerves are all dead there, so I don't feel like I own toes. So wow. I take drugs morning and night to counteract that. Um, and I take some blood thinners. Um, and I also have some swelling from my knees down. And so I take these... Um, um, drugs to take away the swelling and, and I put my feet up high at the end of the bed. But I mean, I mean, this is just life. I think once the body gets to 70, you know, I've been pretty fit and active and footy in all my life. And, and I think, you know, you think you know everything about everything, but you can't control that body three score and 10 and the body does not do what you think it's going to do. Mm. So Eric, while you're young and active and and having fun, keep doing it. Don't stop it. Amen. Yes. And now let's kind of reflect back over your life. Um, for people who aren't familiar with the, the Watto story, can you kind of give us some of the major milestones, uh, the major events from your childhood? Sure. Uh, if I could just say this before I do, yeah. when, I wake up, when I wake up in the morning every day, the first thing I do is I go, Lord, thank you for the miracle of this day. Amen. And and I and I, Eric, I really believe. I go, God, you've given me this day to your honor and glory. And I'm going to go like a crazy man that you've made me with my gifting. I ain't. I'm not taking a backward step. And then I say, I, I I go, thank you for my wife and thank you for my family and all those. And then I say, Lord. Please, could you teach me to trust you more today? Hmm. Because I don't know how hard the battle's going to get. Yeah. And, you know, this is footy terms, Eric, but I don't want to be watching the game of life if I can be in the bottom of the pack playing the game. So if I ask God to teach me to trust him, then if it gets a bit harder in my body, then I would like to think that um, 
I can rely more on God with with His Spirit to to help me trust Him. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I wanted to say that because there could be other people hearing me today that aren't real sure. And you know, I hope that gives them encouragement to thank God for the day. Yeah. Don't worry about tomorrow, and don't worry mm-hmm. about yesterday. Yep. Just live that glory to God today, and then Lord trust. So in my in my life, uh, I've had a really really blessed life. Um, probably the best thing that's happened in my life when I look, um, I met my wife when she was fifteen and a half, and I'm sixteen and a half. So that means fifty seven years ago. And I've had all these fantastic people that have contributed to my who I am today because I'm pretty quirky. I've got this personality, <laughs> you know, I want to change the world. Yeah, Lord, there's, come there's on. There's only one Watto. Come on, Lord, when are we going to get 100,000 bucks for the MCG just hanging out for you, you know, giving praise to you? Come on, Lord, what are we doing? <laughs> um, and, and so um, of all the wonderful things spiritually that I can see over the last 30 years of my life that God's... You know, I've been to the Wimber Conference, John and Paula Sanford in the healing ministry. I've been to the FGB, Sabrinsky's of, you know, and all these things have made me. But when I look back, I got this Proverbs 31.10, Sheila called Margaret, and God's used her for wisdom and, and things in my life to actually get me to do this men's ministry stuff. Mm-hmm. And most of it, you know, and, and that's the man and the woman. So, yeah, I'm a footy freak. I love AFL footy. I love it with a passion. Mm-hmm. And Margaret hates it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never shut up. Margaret is the opposite. Her personality is so beautiful. And she just goes, oh, gee, I'm glad you're going down to Vision Radio today. That'll be a bit, be a bit of peace for me. <laughs> I'm a party boy. Everywhere I go, I want everybody in the room to have a fantastic time. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. had a really wonderful, successful business, uh, truck driver training, and that's been an amazing opportunity to have countless hours one-on-one. I know the heart of an Aussie male. I know the heart. God has given me that privileged time to love and respect and appreciate that Aussie men, right deep down who they are, they are spiritual. They are not buff heads. They are deep down. They're not religious. They're not... They don't get lost in lots of things, but they are deep, meaningful. They're one-on-one blokes. And if you get an Aussie bloke in a safe, non-judgmental place, you can get him to go to the deepest, deepest part of who he is. And we've been doing Shed for 17 years. We average 100 blokes every month. They come off the street. We feed them. And we do three simple things. John's uh, seventeen twenty-one about tell your story. Those who know God will go and tell their stories to the ones who don't yet know him. You're listening to The Story. Today we're hearing a chat Eric Scadabo had with the late Ian Watson, two months before he passed away in 2019. As we're hearing, Watto's reflecting back on his life and on his long battle with prostate cancer. We'll have more of this conversation when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. 
Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. Today we're hearing a conversation that Eric Scatterbo had with the late Ian Watson, better known as simply Watto. It was recorded two months before Ian passed away in December of 2019. Watto started his own truck driving school in Brisbane in 1989 and began a men's ministry in 2002, right about the same time he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. Oh, I was a mess, Eric. Uh, I went to the doctor as regular, had high blood pressure, Mm. but the doctor didn't put me through a a PSA test. I had to forgive my my GP because I believed that I did everything a bloke ought to do. And the day that I got diagnosed with that prostate, mate, I was an absolute mess and I was scared. And that journey, right here and now, I can tell you my emotion is I'm a little bit scared because of the unknown, yeah, and I'm a little bit sad because I don't want to leave Margaret, mm. and I told God, they're that my two emotions, but if I go right back there, so, and you know how I said, I don't use the cancer word much? Yeah. Cancer and the devil are, are on a par, and I hope listeners today hear this, every crack in our being, in my being, every part of my life that I've denied the spiritual part of who I am, and that dirty, rotten, mongrel deceiver called the devil, he sneaks in the back door of our life and then he erodes us and he tries to put our brains into believing the lie, okay? Mm-hmm. That's yep. that's called the devil. And yep. I just tell him where to go in language that he deserves. Now, if you liken that to cancer, if you don't have early detection of cancer or whatever, those cells come in and creep in. Mm-hmm. Now, I've got... Yeah. I had some very three treatments from Germany called Letitium. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get within a meter of Margaret for a week because it makes you radioactive. Oh wow! Okay, this is the treatment, yeah. and they were very expensive. I'm not going to tell you over the new, over the radio what what they were because I don't want to deter anyone from that treatment. That treatment did not work for me, mm-hmm. and the bloke who administered that to me. He was a professor and he was everything. But you know what he told me, Eric? He said, you know, he said, we work our guts out of trying to beat cancer. But he said, it only takes one of those cells to turn and be like a tsunami. And he said, we can't beat it. We can't beat it. So the radiation, you go 33, I had to go 33 times. Mm -hmm. It worked for a while. But then that monster comes back and it shows itself in a blood PSA that we haven't got it. And that's like that dirty, rotten, mongrel devil. If we don't go to the cross of Jesus, and this is me in my life, and every time God's showed me in my life some stuff that I've had to take, and he wants me to, Ezekiel 36, 26, to give me a new heart, or Mm -hmm. Psalm 51, 10, creating me a new heart, and I don't go to that cross, I don't get healing. I get a I get a Band-Aid, and that's what's going on in our society today. We're only giving Band-Aids out because we haven't got the guts to confront, to take take our spiritual part of our inner being to the cross. Oh, I'm getting a bit carried away here. Um, <laughs> you preach it there, Wado. <laughs> but we do want to get back to your story as well. So uh, were there any bumps along the road in your journey with prostate cancer? Uh, I've never been sick, Eric, and the whole journey – Chemo is the only thing that really hurts, mm-hmm. and my hair's fought, and my hair's grown again for the third time. Uh, but you know, please, can I just mention? You go into these clinics, and they're fabulous. 
when we go to these cancer clinics, you go in and they look after you, they treat you, they give you everything. But you know the area that they don't know what to do with? The spiritual part. Hmm. And I would like to challenge anyone who's listening to me today, if you're part of chemo or you're part of that or you're part of palliative care, if you're not looking at whether you're going to heaven or to hell or there's something after life, then I can't believe it. Because, and over at Redcliffe Palliative Care, they've got three beautiful old um, chaplains, mm-hmm. you know, and they've got to be careful with every word they say. Be, you know, and I mean, why should they be careful? Because everyone in that palliative care ward, we're all dying. And are mm. we, where are we going to? Now, if we can't help each other in the spiritual part, what use are we? Now, mm. yeah, at, this, at this one joint I go to, they've even got on the wall... Ring the bell if you've achieved the goal today. Now, okay, we walk in and I walk in and there's 10 people sitting there, all similar ages. We're all going in to get our chemo, okay? Mm -hmm. We're there for the morning. I walk in and I ring the bell and they all look at me as I'm an idiot. And I go, well, I've made it here today. (laughs) The doctor didn't give me six months. My big doctor, God, he's got me here today. I ring the bell. Yeah. Now, they yeah. all look at me and I go, well, that's what the sign says. If you don't want the bell there, take the bell off. Okay, so the spiritual part of who we are and who I am, my whole life, Eric, I look back on it now. I can't afford to sit here and tell any lies today hmm. because God is my keeper today. I don't know if he gives me tomorrow. Hmm. And every part of my being that I have denied the spiritual part of who I am my wife, my kids, they paid the price. And and then I what do I do with it? So my my ministry and journey, the ministry, what sort of a ministry? Like Fair Dickham, I'm not a theologian. We're as rough as guts. We ran this ministry called the Scrubbers. We we did burger bashes, we got the Brisbane Lions there, and we got eighty nine blokes there one night. We had Sean Hart. Um, get up and publicly declare uh, God in. We had 89 blokes and there were six blokes on the footpath. They wouldn't even come into the church car park mm. because of this barrier. And I was standing up on the patio and I've never heard God's voice, but God said to me, See where those blokes are out on the footpath? He said, I want you to go to where those blokes are for the rest of your life. Don't expect those blokes to come into the car park of the church. Go to where the blokes are. Mm-hmm. I remember going to a boring men's camp up at Watson's Park and I was sitting up the back and Darren Lewis came down from Townsville and he just Mm -hmm. started the men's ministry Mm -hmm. and I was sitting up the back and I was thinking, wow, what am I doing here? This is so boring. And then one of of Darren's blokes read Ezekiel 36, 26. God said he'll remove the rocks from around your heart and he'll give you a new heart. And it was like God said, wakey, wakey, what oh And I said, what? And he said, I will remove the rocks from around your heart, no matter how big they are, and I will give you a new heart without stitches. And I went, God, what do you want me to do with this? He said, while you live, I want you to tell every living male for the rest of your life that I, my promise is that I will reveal the rocks in your heart and I will give you a brand new heart. Now, is that rocket science? No, that's a matter of me in my life. And I'm sitting there and this almighty God comes up and goes, wakey, wakey, what I, this is what I want you to do. And that's been my life, Eric. Yeah. 
Now, when you said you got a new heart, is it a more uh, compassionate heart? I mean, what, what kind of a different heart did you get? Love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. Mm-hmm. A heart of love and a heart of encouragement. And, and we've got a God of love and encouragement. And if we get back to that love the Lord your God with all your heart, number one rule, number yep. two is love your neighbor, isn't it? If you're having trouble with number two rule, what I get back to number one and get yep. fair income with God. Amen. So I've got these blokes, these blokes all over the country, they, they come from wherever, and once they get the message that they can get a new heart, fix, fix me up. Every Wednesday morning at Maccas at Coanga, we get 12 to 15 blokes who turn up from 6 till 7, and the prayer group's as rough as guts, but God turns up. Now, I got a text too. I got a phone call two days ago from some bloke, and he said, I'm doing it tough, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I said, well, the shed night was on last night. I said, we've got this um, 15, a dozen 15 blokes turn up on Wednesday morning. You can come along, and you'll be in a circle, You'll be heard, and those blokes will genuinely be interested in you. I got a text today saying, is it still okay to come tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock? Now I'm going. Here's this bloke. I don't know if, if he walked in here now, I don't know what he looks like. Yeah. But this is the heart of an Australian man, Eric. Yeah. So God gave you this new heart, this new compassionate heart full of the, the fruits of the Spirit. What difference has this new heart made in your relationship with Margaret? Oh, I'd die for her. Mm. I would die for Margaret. Now, what's that mean? When Margaret, we're getting the inside of the unit painted at the moment. Now, if Margaret wants to change the decor and the whatever and the pictures on the wall, I don't go on like an idiot like I used to in my <laughs> life and want to manipulate her because it was going to cost money. No, no. I honour her. I cherish her. I know her heart. I know what she means. Mm. And I go, Ian die to your silly self Mm. and live for Margaret. And every part of my day to love and honour Margaret is what I believe that God has done to my heart. And I I think I'm a better father. I've got three sons who are very different. Mm. I think that I can treat them as individuals. I've got six grandchildren from 21 down to five. Mm -hmm. And I, I know God gives me the heart to listen to each of them as individuals and he's given me the love and respect for you, Eric, mm. to hear you, listen to you, think about what you say to me, and then say, Lord, how does that change me? Mm-hmm. That's how he's made me. And most of my life I was never me because I couldn't conform. You know, I got I got judged as a lair, a show-off, a big mouth, and up yourself and all those things because of my personality that's bigger than big, and I'm a very, very confident person, and that's me. That's how God made me. Mm-hmm. So I can just be me, and I, I want every person that I come across to truly be able to use their natural gifting that God has given them. And then when you see people that actually use their gifting, then you really do see the big church of God come alive, and that's mm-hmm. bigger than the walls that we go to on Sunday. Well, unfortunately, Wado, our time is running out here, but any final words for our listeners? I, I'm very sad that uh, this might be the last time I get a chance to interview you. Oh, I could be around next year, Eric. Okay, well, we hope for that. Uh, well, if, you, if you're listening to me today, that's a God moment because I prayed to God that uh, he would use me today to speak and into your heart 
And all I want to encourage you to do is the spiritual part of who you are, just have a talk to God one-on-one and ask him to give you a clear indication of where you are with your heart. If you've got any bitterness, resentment, or any of those things that you need to just let go, let it go, and then ask God to reveal to you any areas that he can take and you can give them to the cross and be free and you can be who you are and we can get our country of Australia back to being a loving, encouraging country that truly is the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. And I just pray my blessings upon you in Jesus' name. Amen. Ian Watson, thank you so much for sharing some time with us today. Thanks, Eric. God bless you. That was a conversation Eric Scadabo had with the late Ian Watto-Watson, founder of the men's ministry known as Shed Happens. Sadly, Ian passed away just two months after it was recorded. But as we could hear, even in Watto's weakened state, his passion for helping men to get to know the Lord was as strong as ever. Watto, you are truly missed and your legacy will remain for years to come. To find out more about Ian's men's ministry and his books, you can go to the website shedhappens.com.au. That's shedhappens.com.au. Next time, as our series paying tribute to Watto continues, Ian's beloved wife, Margaret, shares their story as a couple and why they were so perfectly suited for each other. Until then, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I really asked God. I said, look, you know, I I really like him, but he's kind of not what I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then, and I got a message from God and he said, it wasn't a voice, but I just had this inner knowing, he's the one. He's the one. And so I just said, okay, your choice, God, he's the one. Margaret Watson was married to Ian Watson for over 50 years and they had quite a journey together. Ian was better known as Watto and was the founder of the Shed Happens Men's Ministry. Sadly, he died in 2019 after a long battle with prostate cancer. Margaret shares their story as a couple and reflects on the amazing impact he had on men around Australia. That's coming up next time. The Story Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.